Hey, y'all. Real quick before I hit play on this episode of Familypreneur for you, I want to be sure that you know that I have a brand new podcast available for you to check out. It's called Just Marketing, and you can find it on this podcast platform. Go ahead and search for Just Marketing and hit subscribe so you don't miss anything. Then come back here and listen to this episode of Familypreneur. It'll still be here waiting for you. Welcome to Familypreneur, the podcast for parent entrepreneurs, raising kidpreneurs. It's time for your weekly dose of inspiration and actionable tips to build your business and find better balance, all while strengthening your family. And now we'd like to introduce your host. She's my mom and the bomb.com, Meg Brunson. Hey there, thanks for joining me on another episode of the Familypreneur podcast. Today's guest began her online entrepreneur journey shortly after having her first child. She was looking for a way to help cover her daughter's medical bills due to complications at birth. As she found ways to help her own daughter, she realized many other parents who have kids with special needs were not getting the support that they needed. So with a desire to help those other parents, she founded her company, Stronger Mommy. While building Stronger Mommy, she found and developed highly effective strategies that not only grew her group and her brand, but revolutionized the way people grow and manage Facebook groups. Those who adopt her strategies into their own groups have seen massive growth both in their following and sales. I'm thrilled to dive into the topic of Facebook groups today with Chantelle Turner. Hey, Chantelle, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. I, I don't know exactly when we met. It's been, I feel like it's been like two years. I think it's been more. More? Maybe, I want to say like 2015 when I first got started. No, maybe 2016. Either way, it's been a super long time. And I'm, <laughs> and I have loved watching your business grow and then kind of shift and develop in multiple different ways. So I'd love for you to start by giving us a little bit of the backstory. It's some of the story I already know, but a little bit of the backstory about how you started Stronger Mommy and why you started it. Yes. So um, I was happily plugging along in the corporate world. I was in um, corporate sales doing inside a hotel. And my husband and I decided that we want to start a family. So got pregnant, very fortunate to get pregnant right away. Um, Had a great nine month pregnancy. Everything was normal. And then during birth, my daughter actually had an in utero stroke just before she was born. And um, first and only child. So we were just learning how to be parents to begin with. And then also how to deal with now the fact that we had a child with special needs. Um, There was so much that was overwhelming to us. The hospitals had said they were applying for things. And um, I didn't really feel like I had a handle on anything. I was totally lost. I was just kind of for the first six months trying to get everything I could for my daughter. And even though we both had really good insurance, what I didn't realize was that um, whatever the hospitals had said they applied for, they didn't. And so uh, six months down the road, we were drowning in medical debt. I was commuting three hours a day round trip to and from work. My husband travels 80% of the year um, for what he does. And so I was feeling like a single mom leaving my brand new kid at daycare um, when it wasn't even really the best environment for her because of her challenges, having to pull her out all the time and leave work to get to doctor's appointments and therapies. And it was just this, this huge mess. And so um, I really wanted to connect with other special needs parents. I was kind of an island. All of my friends um, either didn't have kids at all or had mainstream kids. And it's just a very different, 
there are very different things when you have a child with special needs that you go through. And so I went online, I was on Facebook looking for some communities with other special needs parents. And the sad thing was that the communities that I found, there was a lot of negativity. There was a lot of hatred between people. I mean, women in general are vicious and I don't understand why, but they tear each other down. And I was the one always trying to lift people up, offer advice, be helpful. And I thought, gosh, why am I like helping out this community? Um, why don't I just start my own? And so I founded my own Facebook group community uh, called Stronger Mommies, started a brand called Stronger Mommy with the, the true intent of just helping other parents who had children with special needs, just like I did. Um, of trying to like help them get all the services and the resources that I did. And the coolest thing was that this community grew very quickly to uh, close to 3000 members in just six months. And it was so active and engaged and people were getting so much value out of the community. It was really my first taste of like doing something online that I was leading the charge for and feeling so connected and so helpful to people that um, just truly were, were in need of a helping hand. So that's kind of where things all got started for me. So in the beginning, you were really focused on the other special needs parents. And how did you monetize that group with those parents in mind? Yeah. So, um, I, a hundred percent, I was like, okay, I'm going to help these parents. Um, and I had started, you know, looking into online marketing and learning about how to run Facebook ads, um, things like that. And so I, I built a course. I struggled to sell it because I didn't have an audience. Nobody knew who Chantel Turner was in the special needs community. I had no name. And so once I had that group, um, I, I call it the notable leader. Like I became that notable leader inside that niche. People knew in the special needs community, I had the answer. Chantel was the person to go through. And so because of that, I was able to get people inside that group and they built this know, like, and trust with me. People buy from people that they know, like, and trust. And so once that trust was there, um, now it was something where I could say, Hey, I have this resource or I have this thing, or I have this, um, here, you know, sometimes it was a physical product or it didn't really matter, but they trusted that I, I understood who they were. I understood what they were going through um, and how to help them. And that anything that I offered was truly there because of that trust factor that we had, that, that co-relationship. How, I'm curious how you went from, so this taking, going back to when you had this brand new baby um, that you just unexpectedly had, had challenges that you didn't expect. How you went from that like confused, overwhelmed, first time mom to just embracing the fact that you were the expert in the field? Like what did that process in itself look like? Cause I feel like a lot of us deal with, you know, imposter syndrome and, and, you know, we're always learning, even as an expert, you're always learning. So at what point were did you feel confident enough to step into that role as being yeah, it's um, definitely still have imposter syndrome sometimes. Um, I mean, there, you know, I, I work with with moms that have six special needs children, and I have one, um, or my daughter at the time might have been three years old, and somebody else had a 12 year old. So how could I possibly give advice or help somebody in that situation? Like, I'm clearly not the expert was that kind of imposter syndrome thinking. But um, what truly came out of it is that there are two very t- different types of people in this world. There are people who are problem solvers who just have to find a solution no matter what. And then there are people who tend to have some problems and kind of dwell in them. They're always they're, they, they always have an excuse. They always have a reason. I am a problem solver. Something happened 
And I looked at it and said, okay, that happened. Now, how do we get the absolute best we can for her? How do we get the best life possible? Um, And because I was always looking for those solutions, I was leaps and bounds ahead of those people that were still back in the woe is me, I have a problem phase. And so, yeah, I might not have six children with special needs, but the one that I have, I know way more resources and services and support because I spent you know, all of this time and energy digging into that. And so what really kind of, it's funny, the group actually helped clear that imposter syndrome for me because by being active in the group and and answering questions and going live and, and giving value, I would get people that were like, oh my God, I didn't know that. Like, it was, you know, it'd be like, okay, to, to tie your shoe, you first have to cross the laces. And somebody's like, what? I had no idea that you had to cross laces to tie your shoes. I'm like, this is basic. This is so basic to me, but what was basic to me was just revolutionary to them. Resources that they didn't know existed, like life-changing for them. Um, And so it totally cleared that imposter syndrome for me because I had so many people. It was just this like massive social proof of, yes, you are the person that has the answers. And a lot of times I'm very transparent. So yeah, I don't have all the answers to life's problems, right? Like, so if I don't know, I say, you know what? I don't know either. Let me go find out or here's a resource or, you know, I mean, I know a lot more about Arizona than I do about Texas because I live in Arizona. Some stuff is the same. Some stuff is different. So, um, I think anytime you're feeling that imposter syndrome, having your own group, having people there that are your tribe, your, your community to be able to say, Oh my God, you're so amazing. And thank you so much. But also to understand that it's okay to not always be the expert. And maybe sometimes you have to bring in somebody or just say, Hey, I'm usually on the ball, but today I honestly don't know the answer to that. <laughs> well, I, I love that you have that kind of an outlook and that ability to see, because I feel like some of us don't see that, you know, like it may be right in front of you, but you don't see it. You don't recognize it. So that's amazing. And now you're still, you still serve this audience. The group is still active and, and all of that stuff. But at some point, you realized that your ability to grow and manage that group, regardless of the, the theme of the group, that that was extraordinary in itself and could be scaled. Can you tell me about that? Yes, for sure. So I definitely, um, I still obviously love and serve that audience. Um, I did struggle over the last year. I've noticed maybe even the last six months I was receiving a lot of like a mental and emotional drain from that audience. So they are amazing, amazing parents that are going through so much. But a lot of that so much was starting to fall onto my shoulders because they needed someone to vent to, to come to. And as I, as a problem solver, I am happy to solve all the problems. I love it. Like I, ha- I am that person that if, if you said, you, okay, you can't be an entrepreneur anymore. You have to go out and get a real job, quote unquote, for the people who can't see my fingers. You go out and get a real job. Uh, what would you do? Like I would want to work for a think tank. I love to think up solutions. So that's fine. Come to me with your problems. I'm happy to think up solutions. The challenge that I was facing was that those people that have problems that weren't ready for solutions, they wanted to stay stuck in the, I have a problem phase. I would give them a hundred different solutions that they could try and they would make up a hundred different excuses of why they couldn't try a single one of them. And that started to get very draining emotionally for me. I I thrive on solving problems and then watching them actually get solved, not solving your problem and then watching you still live in your problem. (laughs) So that was super hard and emotional. And so I did, I have taken a a bit of a step back and still very active in that community. That community is 
incredibly active still. Um, over 90% of all of the members inside there are, are active, which is insane. Um, but personally, I'm not doing as much directly with them just because I needed to take that emotional break and find out, I think for myself, how I could continue to support them without feeling that strain on myself. Um, and along that, that journey, I had a lot of entrepreneurs that were watching what was happening with me and very connected. And I always want to be growing and learning and I'm in the online space. And like I had said, originally I started to learn ads and all of that. So I connected into a lot of different entrepreneurial groups and I would have people come to me and say, how in the world do you have, like, how did you grow your group so quickly? How is it 90% engaged? And the funny thing was I spend less than 15 minutes a day on it. And that was the big thing that people want to know. How are you doing that? in so little time and so little effort but yet getting so much value out of it, so much results. Um, and so I transitioned a bit to wanting to work with these entrepreneurs who were action takers, right? So you've got like my group of stronger mommies who are incredible, incredible parents, and they're trying their best. They're not the most action taker group of people. And then these entrepreneurs that were like, tell me, and I will go take action and implement and have success with it. And that was really thrilling for me. So I kind of transitioned to, um, to helping other entrepreneurs become that notable leader within their niche and build their groups, build their communities um, and get known and really support their tribes. So do you, I, I have to ask, like, do you, with the entrepreneurs that you're working with, let me get my questions straight. With the entrepreneurs that you're working with, they're in all sorts of different verticals. Is this group strategy, is it something that works kind of across the board or does it work better with some businesses than others? It definitely works across the board, though it works differently for different businesses. So um, it's recent. It's funny. Recently, somebody said to me, oh, well, it's great, but it doesn't work for agencies. I'm like, oh, it totally works for agencies. It just doesn't work the same way it might work for a coach, right? So an, a, a coach might specifically have that group there for lead gen, for, you know, for social proof, to warm up their cold traffic. Like that's going to be the goal of the group for somebody that's in the coaching space to become more notable and more recognized. As an agency, you might use the group um, for social proof. You might also use it to filter out and find more people to come and like work inside your agency. You might like It might be a great place to start training people to then become employees for you. Um, it can be a great place to build up your credibility as an agency. So you're kind of giving some free value to the people that are more than happy to learn how to do it and do it themselves. But an agency is a done for you service. So you're kind of giving away the DIY. Let those people who want to do it themselves go ahead. What happens is you give that value. You're still leaps and bounds ahead and you learn so much as you teach others. You learn so much more. And so you're always going to be ahead and you'll get people that have become kind of these like social ambassadors for you. They're out there. They're finding you your dream done for you customers. Um, and, and because of that, you can charge more. You can, um, you can have bigger results. And, and again, you're, you're able to kind of like grow your team. So I think it can work for absolutely anyone. You just have to tailor how you're using that group based on like what you want to get out of it and based on how that like resonates with your business and your customers. So if you are, if you're listening right now and you already have a group and it's probably not doing quite as well as you'd like it to, is it easier to give your existing group a facelift or just scrap it and start from scratch? I see that question all the time. It's a great question. I, I get that a lot. And it's it's it kind of depends. So the question you have to ask yourself first is, are the people inside my group, like, do they all have 
common pain points? Are they all the same avatar? So hopefully everybody listening knows what your customer avatar is. If you don't go Google some customer avatar stuff and not the little blue men or, or the, or the movie, but truly like that ideal person that you want to work with, like that ideal customer for you. If everyone in, so, so let's back up, take stronger mommies, for example, inside stronger mommies, the only people inside that group are those parents who are currently parenting a child with special needs. If you're a single mom of six kids, but none of them have special needs, I think that's incredible. Good for you. We'll find a single mom's group. It's not for you. This group is specifically for parents who have a child with special needs. It's not for teachers who teach special needs children. It's not for therapists. It's not for doctors, unless you have the child. And so if my group was just like, open-ended special needs or open-ended for parents. Okay. Let's say it's just like all parents. It wouldn't be good for me to then try and re-engage that group because they're not going to have all the same challenges and problems and things like that. But if I already have a group that's just focused on that one specific ideal customer avatar, but it's dead, then by all means revive the group. So I think that's the first question you have to ask yourself is who's in the group. Now, if you've got 90% of your perfect avatar in the group and you've got some like 10% stragglers, don't worry, they'll probably take themselves out eventually. So that's no big deal. But if it's just like you just never niche down and it's totally diversified, it's a whole bunch of people, scrap it, start over. Now, if you're gonna go ahead and keep it growing and you wanna keep the group you have, but just re-engage it and get it going, leverage the Facebook algorithm to your advantage. The biggest failure that I see other people that teach about groups teach when it comes to re-engaging a dead group is they say, oh, well, if your group's dead, um, start making 12 posts a day and start going live every day and start running contests and giveaways and do this and do that and run an engagement thread and, and you know, a comment thread. All of those strategies work really well to engage members, but they only work if those members actually see that you post it. The problem with a dead group and the way that the algorithm works is that Facebook says, if you haven't engaged in this group in a while, you're probably not interested in seeing the content posted here, right? There's literally, Facebook is trying, there's hundreds of thousands of things that are technically like popping up on your newsfeed and Facebook's just trying to show you a little bit that like might be important to you because otherwise it would be, you'd never see anything. It would just be a mess of stuff. And so if you're not active in a group and that all of a sudden that group starts getting more active, but you haven't participated, you'll never see anything there. It will never show up in your timeline unless you go. And so first, before you ever do a comment thread or an engagement post or a giveaway or any of that to revive a group, you have to get people seeing those posts first. And the way that you do that is leveraging the Facebook algorithm. Simply take an already viral, relevant post that shows up on your main timeline. So this could be like a funny meme that you can somehow make relatable to your group niche, share it into your group. And what happens is it's already viral. So Facebook, the algorithm says, oh, this post is great. Like people want to see this post. And now that it's in this group, I bet you the group members want to see this post because it's already a really great post, right? It already has weight from Facebook. Your group members see that post in their regular timeline, but it comes from your group. And so they comment and they like and they share because, hey, it's funny. And then what happens is Facebook goes, oh, the people inside this group like the posts that are posted in this group. We'll show them some more. And so you simply kind of like taken the algorithm and had it do a little favor for you, which was to re-engage your members. And now they're seeing your posts. It takes anywhere from two to 10 of those posts. And then all of a sudden your group is totally re-engaged. They're seeing everything you post. They're back. They're back to knowing who you are. 
So you're going to share it right from the, the original source, like the source that's already getting traction. So you'll see something in your timeline, you'll hit share, and you'll put it into your group. Yep, 100%. And I just want to highlight, you outlined this all perfectly, but I want to re- remind people that it should still be relevant to your audience. So make sure it's relevant to your audience, which is what you said, and then tie it in somehow. So you can still like share it, but also leave a comment or whatever that ties it into your content. Yes, 100%. And I, I did mention it, but I glossed over it. So I'm glad that you clarified that because so a lot of people might be like, oh, well, I found this funny like political post that has all these comments and then you share it into your group of like, I don't know, um, stay at home crunchy moms. And they have zero desire to, to engage, like it, it's, it doesn't fit. Um, so a great example is I saw a meme um, that said it was, it was just a picture of a woman with her children and she looked very messy. And it said, um, turns out this is my circus and these are my monkeys, right? Now that's hilarious, okay? As mom, any mom, I think that's funny. I shared it into the special needs group and I said, who else feels like this as a special needs parent? Of course it relates. Of course it blows up. I made it connect with that specific audience. So you can take a picture of a, you know, a meme of a cat trying to fit itself into a box and relate it to uh, how being an entrepreneur is tough when everyone else in the world is trying to shove you into a box and you're out and, and you're out there just trying to like get out, right? Whatever it is, you just have to make it relatable. If you can't relate it, don't share it by all means. Right. So like that mommy circus monkey post, if your group is not parents. It's even if you are a parent, the group isn't focused on parents. It's not going to be a great share. Yeah. But if let's say your group is, um, you know, uh, real estate agents. Okay. And now if you're a man, you maybe wouldn't share it, but if you're, you know, let's say you've men and women real estate agents in your group, but you're a woman and you might share that and say, who else feels like you're trying to wrangle monkeys when you're working with your clients? Boom. Now you've related it. Like that's, that you can take anything almost and creatively relate it to your group. You just have to be the gap bridger for those people. So they can go, Oh yeah, that's so funny. You're right. I've dealt with those clients and they get it right. You yeah. just have to make it relatable. Awesome. Well, I think that's great. Now, now I'm trying to figure out which direction I want to go from here. What if you are, um, let's take a little step back. Let's say you don't have your group yet. What are the first steps to creating a group and, and maybe the things that people get wrong specifically like I have a specific question I know how I answer it but I'd love to hear your feedback because I feel like my area of expertise is not groups that's you so <laughs> do you want your business like your your business name to be affiliated with your group or do you want to go more broad so I love this um and I'm gonna answer it twofold I do things differently than some other people. Um, so, you know, t- take it with, with a grain of salt, compare notes, figure out what you want to do. Um, for me, I am very consciously aware of branding. And so my group name for my free program, for my free group, okay, because you can have paid, technically you can't yet have a paid group, but you can have groups that are associated with a paid program. So, but for my, my free group, that's my way to brand. So for teaching people about Facebook groups, my brand is not yet notable. The name of the group is not yet notable. It's very congruent. People get it. They can search for it. When they search not yet notable, they find the group. It all makes sense. Inside that group, I give all of those members an identity and I call them notable leaders. I want them to be the notable leaders inside their niche. And so 
the name is different um, than the identity, but they kind of tie together. But I'm always branding not yet notable. Um, I had somebody recently ask this on like they're a photographer. They're like, so shouldn't I just use my personal name? Well, you could, but like, are are you your brand? Like, are you always going to be your brand? Do you ever want to be able to remove yourself? So I could at some point potentially sell not yet notable. I don't think I will, but I could. And it's branded to that brand. So everyone can still search for it and still find it and still get it. I have a business page that's Chantal Turner for people that just want to know about me, but I have the brand of Naya Notable. So that's kind of how I name the group. And I think the identity is really important that you do give your group members an identity. And then I forget what the second half of your question was. Oh my gosh, because it was just a ton of things shoved into one. It was probably the worst question for a podcast host to ask. Um, <laughs> good thing I'm not getting graded, or at least not <laughs> publicly. Um <laughs> And I can't even, I feel like it, I was saying, uh, if you were brand new starting, like, how do you figure out what your topic is? How do you name it? And then, yeah. That- so like some steps, if you're brand new, just getting started, you're like, okay, I, I think I want to have a Facebook group. Right. So maybe you're like, that's a good idea. That sounds, that sounds smart. I'm going to start one. So a couple of really important things, um, really niche down, get clear on that customer avatar, because if your group is broad, it will not be engaged. The reason that Stronger Mommies is so highly active and engaged is because only parents who have kids with special needs are in there. So when somebody posts about how their kid ran out into traffic yesterday and it was the most terrifying thing that ever happened to them, except that it happens to them five times a day, every single day of the week, other parents are like, oh my God, I get it. I know, I know. They're not going to be shamed about how they couldn't hold on with their kid because they're all parents going through that same thing. And so... If you are broad, they, I think, I don't remember who said it first. There's, it's been said, like, if you are for everyone, you're actually for no one. And that is so true with a group. Get specific, hone down. Who is that dream customer? Who, what is that specific niche that you're in? Tailor your group, your brand, your business to that. Fit that niche. Um, and then use your custom. So, so turn on admin approval for people joining the group. Make your group closed, meaning not just anybody. They can find it. Sure, they can search it. Um, but they can't just join without approval. Quest, you get to ask three questions Facebook lets you ask of members before they enter the group. Question number one for me is always a resounding yes or no. Are you a perfect fit for this group? It should not be wishy-washy. It should not be where the person's like, yeah, I kind of think I'll fit. It should be like, oh my God, yes, hand raised. This is me. Hell on fire. I fit this niche or nah, not me, not at all. And you will get a yes or no answer. If you get a no, don't let that person into your group. You have to be a good gatekeeper. Don't let them in. Move on. If they don't answer, move on. Don't just approve random people. Um, question number two, I personally like to find out how you found out about the group because I love to know my traffic source. Uh, a lot of times I am random. Like I get people that come from other groups and other Facebook pages and stuff like that because people say, oh my God, Chantel's the person or this group's the thing. So I like to know that. And then question number three is how I grow my list. I simply say, hey, provide your best email below. And so I would say 90% of people will drop their email, but 10% that don't, I can catch those later. Um, but now I'm able to, to, I use a Chrome plugin that captures that email, sends them over to my, my uh, basically like a, a worksheet, and then I zap them into my email list. And now I, if Facebook dies tomorrow, I have all those people on an email list where I can simply email them and be like, hey, y'all, Facebook died. We're moving over here. Come on over. You know, <laughs> the new group's in LinkedIn. I don't know. I'm not good at LinkedIn, but like whatever, right? I can move them over because 
I own that asset now, not Facebook. And so um, get clear on that niche. Use your three questions wisely and be a good gatekeeper. Um, and then for me, post-approval is super important. This is the one that a lot of people will say, I don't want to do that. That sounds like a lot of work. That sounds like a headache. Turn on post-approval. This will save you so much time and energy. It's not even funny. Um, yes, you. I recommend that you go twice a day at least into your group and approve posts, meaning you have to read the post to approve it. Um, this saves all the people that break the rules that you then have to go like clean up their mess later. I simply delete the rule-breaking posts and move on. I don't even message them. Like It's just not worth my time. They probably didn't mean to break my rules. It, I mean, if Joe's out there breaking the rules every day, I might send Joe a message and be like, hey, dude, probably time to read the rules. But for the most part, it's not needed. The benefit of having to read these posts, though, is twofold. I already read it. So likely as the leader of this group, I have something important to say on this topic. I can like it. I can say congrats. I can say you're doing awesome. Um, here's some advice. Here's some help. You know, whatever that is, I can immediately go and comment. And that means that I am the first comment, the first like on that post. And now my member of the group feels incredibly valued. That is the admin, someone that to them perceivably has a little bit higher status, has very little time took the time to recognize and acknowledge that they exist. And so this alone will highly change your group dynamic into people that value you and want to spend money with you. I love that tip um, for the, for two reasons. Like you said, it's easier to make sure that the rules don't get out of hand and you don't miss anything because it's easy. Even as the admin of a group, it's easy to miss something. Yeah, especially if you don't have those post approvals on. I mean, you could hundreds of posts could flood in a day. And now it sounds like, oh my God, if hundreds of posts approve, I have like I have to go approve those. It sounds like a lot, but it really doesn't take that much effort or energy. It's so much better than realizing that you missed something big in your group. Um, and now you kind of have to like go back and clean it up or go back and try to participate. Like it's definitely better to turn on post approval. And if you need to, you can bring in an admin team if it's really getting crazy to help you with something of that and to really support the group. So now we've kind of talked about if you don't have a group, how to, how to start it, how to pick the topic and a little bit about how to name it, setting up those rules, things like that. And if you have a group and it's dead, how to breathe some life into it so that it, it gets back to life. Now, once we're there, how do we get from the hundred people we have to the thousand plus people we want to have? Yeah. So again, um, really important to focus on the quality of your members, not the quantity of your members. So I see people that teach like, oh, I can help you get a 10,000 member group. Well, that's cool. If those 10,000 members are your dream customer and they're active and engaged, meaning they like, they comment, they post. It's not so cool to have 10,000 members that don't really give a crap about your group and wish they weren't there. Meaning like you hit the invite button to all your 5,000 friends and then have your other friend invite all their 5,000 friends. Not cool. So before we talk about like growth, we have to first talk about quality. It is so important again, that you have those quality members that want to be there, that want to engage, that can relate to each other. And then how do we grow it? I do a seven day launch. Um, even if you've already launched your group, you can totally do like a quote unquote relaunch of it. Um, but literally I'm, it takes about seven days for the algorithm to really, for Facebook's algorithm to really pick up on what you're doing, really optimize, start getting people. Um, I leverage comment ladders, meaning like I tell people, I don't just drop a link and say, Hey, here's the link to the group. Go join it. I say, Hey, comment group below. And then I'll send you the link. Now this, this is good for a couple reasons. So we start this over seven days. We pick a date. The group is opening. People can join the group during that entire seven days. So they don't get approved into the group until the group 
officially opens on that day. And so what happens is day one, I'm kind of starting to tease about it. And I'm like, I always want to say who that person that's going to fit into it is like, if you're this perfect person, whatever, this is going to be for you. This is why it's for you. This is what the group is for. And then usually I offer some kind of like really great value deliverable on the front end of joining the group. Um, for those people getting in early is an incentive to join, right? Like, why do I want to be a part of your group? There's a million on Facebook. And so, um, it starts and it kind of trickles the first day. You're kind of hinting towards it. Day two, you're really starting to talk about it more day three. You're saying, Hey, if you want to join the group, make sure you comment below with a specific word. And then, you know, so on and so forth. And as people comment, I reply and say, Hey, Jennifer, I just sent you a message. And inside the message is where I'm going to, yeah, it takes a little bit extra work, but I'm going to give them, Hey, Jennifer, so excited that you want to be a part of the group. Here's the link. Simply click the link, join. And on this specific date, I'll be opening it up and letting you in. And now what happens is I made a personal connection with that person. So everything that I do is very focused on building trust and notability with my audience. So before they ever come to the group, they've had to jump through a few hoops. They had to comment on my post. Okay, that takes more effort than clicking like or clicking join. They had to comment on the post. I had to respond to them. I acknowledged they exist as a real human being on the other side of the internet because sometimes we forget like there are actual people out there on the other side of your computer screen. And then we had a mini conversation in Messenger. I guarantee you, it does not turn into a chatty chat. Like unless you're super chatty and start that up, it's literally like one to two post back messages back and forth. It's very simple. I give them the link. They're like, oh my God, thank you so much. I can't wait to be a part of it. I'm like, great, can't wait to see you inside. Next, I move on. It's very fast. Then they have to go and join the group. And now they're like, oh, Chantel personally invited me. Like they feel special and valued. And so they're coming into the group already excited and feeling valued and all of that. And so all of that sparks it. Um, usually we open groups with a lot of, like I do a lot of done for you stuff for clients. If we're going just organic, meaning you're just posting on your Facebook page, you have very few friends, you have zero list, meaning email. Um, you don't have a business page yet or, or you do, but there's nobody on it, like just flat out organic. All of those posts we set to, um, to public and what will happen is days one, day two, day three, day four, you'll feel like nobody wants to join your group because you'll get very few comments on your post. This is the algorithm optimizing, seeing who clicks like, who's paying attention, how long does like Facebook knows, how long does somebody look at that post in their timeline before they scroll to the next thing. And so all of a sudden they start to realize, oh, these people are interested in this. So we'll show this to more people. And so what happens by day six and day seven is that you get massive floods of people wanting to join the group. Usually, even if you have zero audience and you only do organic, meaning you did not pay for a single ad, you can flood your group with at least 100 members before you ever open the doors. Now, are you, do you run ads to get people in your group? So for some clients, we do when you can. Um, you have to be a little smart about it with Facebook, which is really funny. So Facebook's like main overarching goal, unless, I mean, Meg, you know better than I do, um, unless you want to tell me differently, but their main goal is to keep people on Facebook. And they absolutely today, right now, they love highly active and engaged groups. They, they love it. I'm part of the Facebook power admins, like the whole thing. They love groups. Okay. But they don't want you to spend money on their platform to keep people on their platform to drive them to groups that they love. It's very strange. I think they've, they've lost a connection there. There's like a missing, the bot didn't quite connect to the other thing in the algorithm. So technically you cannot run an ad to get people to join your group. Meaning you can't go, Hey, just join my group at www.facebook.com slash group slash group. What you can do for now. So whenever you're listening to this, like test to your own risk because it, it, it could change, 
you know, in the next second, or it could change never. But if you use the fb.com instead of facebook.com before all the rest of your group link, totally works. Um, or you can do a 301 redirect or, you know, like I have, a, I bought a URL that specifically drives traffic direct to the group. Um, what I don't recommend is any kind of opt-in page on the front end. You will lose a significant amount of your traffic to that. It's a barrier of entry. Um, so a lot of times like a redirect, Facebook is smart to Bitly. So don't use a Bitly link. They know about that. Um, but other things like click magic and improvedly do seem to work. So you kind of have to play around if you are going to run ads um, or run a comment ad and make people comment and respond to their comments because that works every time. Yeah. And that's, those are similar. I didn't know about the FB dot. I've done the <laughs> redirects. So I didn't know about the FB dot. Um, but I give a lot of the same advice from an ad perspective. I was curious, you know, what you did from, from your perspective. Another thing that used to work, I don't know if it still does, um, is if you shared the group like organically to your business page, you could boost that post. And now normally I'm not a boost fan, but in this case, it, it makes it, it gives it that like really easy to click like or join button. So I have tested that in the past, but I don't know if they've stopped that either. Yes. And you can do it either as a boosted post or you can, you can make a page post on your business page with your, with your actual group link and all of that, like you said, with the easy join button and all of that. Um, and then you can go into the ad section and you can run an ad, quote unquote, to that post. So inside the ad section, you can go to the post, you can find that specific post, and then you basically can run all sorts of different types of ads, whether, you know, um, I would run an engagement ad probably to that, but you would run like an ad to that post. And so yeah. it's an actual ad, it's not a boost, um, but it, it does it does keep the link. Again, Facebook's a little funny how the algorithm works. You'd think they'd know about their own fb.com, but they, they don't yet. Um, you'd think they would get the whole page post thing, but they don't yet. Um, and I think realistically, the truth of the matter is that they, they want traffic on Facebook. I think there's just a little bit of a miscommunication between like department A and department B on, hey, this person's actually spending money on our platform to keep people on our platform. We should probably go ahead and let that pass. And I keep waiting. I, I mean, I feel like I've said it for years that there should be a way to drive traffic growth through ads. I keep waiting for them to be like, this is the year. Every year I go to F8 and I wait for them to say, but maybe. Yeah. And you can now Facebook is doing like, you can run um, an advertisement inside a group. I have not personally done this yet. I've seen the option. I don't think it would like, I don't, I wouldn't want to run an advert. Like it's a little bit weird how it works. So you can run an advertisement inside a group. What you can't do is specifically target people that are in a group and run an ad to them in their newsfeed. Um, unless you're super sneaky, smart about it. And if you want, I will drop the like sneaky back way that you can totally pixel every single group member. Sure. Go ahead. That's my like, drop it, drop it like a hat. (laughs) So um, any, and I'm sure you know this, Meg, but your audience might not. Any video that lives on your business page, Facebook automatically pixels or like, like recognize if you don't know what a pixel is, they take note of anyone that watches it and how long they watch it for. And so a lot of people in the ad space that are running ads, um, they'll do different videos and they may rerun a, you know, they might run a retargeting ad or a custom audience ad based on people that watched 75% or more of that video, meaning they liked it enough. They're probably engaged. They might be my dream customer. Okay. Now here's where it gets sneaky for groups. You take your welcome video and you record it ahead of time and you post it on your business page and then you share it into your group. Now 
every single member of your group sees that welcome video. You go ahead and mark it, quote unquote, as an announcement. It's what it's called. It used to be a pinned post, but we mark it as an announcement. So now it sits at the very top of the group. And so all of your group members, they see that welcome video and Facebook's pixeling them. They're recognizing, hey, all these people saw it. You can run a three second video view ad because realistically, like only the people inside your group are seeing that video. So, you know, I already did the hard work of getting only perfect dream customers into my group. Now they're seeing that video. And so now if I use that audience of people who have seen that as a custom audience, I can run ads where those members, those people that are going to see that, they already know, like, and trust me. I'm, an, I'm a person they know from the group, but it's in their main newsfeed. So it kind of takes the salesy aspect of it out. Also, if your group is highly active, which is a dream for most group owners, it means that if you do post, it's going to disappear really fast because the group's active. So things keep moving around. So your post might not be seen by the majority of your group. So running an ad that targets just your group members is a great way to do that. Um, and you get that, that trust factor. You get lots of people to see it. Um, you get a lot of value out of it that way. Well, and I feel like we are running into a danger zone here where we could turn this podcast episode into like a three day continuous feed of information. Like we still need to know all of the, the, the ways to grow the group. And then you mentioned something else is keeping that group engaged. So there's a ton of information. Can you leave us with like, like one or two more takeaways on, on growth and engagement. Um, and then we'll kind of wrap things up and cause I want people to know where they can learn more because there's obviously a ton to learn. Yeah. We need like a, like a, like a summit, right? <laughs> come, come to the Facebook group summit. Um, no. So I think when it comes to engagement, there are two very different schools of thought. And I'm over here in my own school of thought, like column B, and everyone else is over in column A. So column A, everyone else that teaches Facebook groups is like, post 12 times a day, create content every day, go live every day. Like the more active you are, the more active your group is. Now, the majority of people that I work with are entrepreneurs that are busy, that don't have time. Now, if you if your group is like stay at home moms that love to just chatty chat and gossip, you probably fit in column A. Like they probably want a crap ton of content from you. If you were in column B with me, meaning the people that you work with are busy, um, they're entrepreneurs, they don't have a ton of time, their life has a lot going on, they don't have time to watch you go live for an hour every single day. In fact, the more you post, the more noise you become to the point where they just stop watching it at all. And so instead for me, what drives massive engagement and actually gives way more value is significantly less content. Plus the fact, let me be honest with y'all, I'm really lazy and I'm very busy. And so I prefer to do the smallest amount of work for the biggest payoff possible instead of a lot of work for some payoff. Like I want to do the least amount of work. And so the way that we do that is just two posts per week is really all you need. One is alive. You do need to go live. You do need people to actually see you. There's, there's this connection that happens and a, a group is a community. They want to connect with you. Go live. I don't care if you think you're ugly on camera. I don't care if you're going to mess it up. Like just be like, Hey guys, this is my first ever live and I'm probably going to totally like suck at this for the first few weeks. But we're going to do it. I'm going to go live every week and be consistent. If it's Mondays at 2am in the morning, if that's the, the only time you can find to go live and be consistent every single Monday, fine. Somebody will get on and the rest will catch it on the replay. And people over time will start to learn that if they want to get access to you, where you're actually there recognizing who they are, which people highly value, they'll show up. 
So go live just once a week um, and be consistent. And then the other thing I do is what I call a weekly win post um, or a self-share. People love to talk about themselves and all the great things happening in their lives. And so pick something that's relatable to your group and then let people once a week share about themselves. So for Stronger Mommies, um, we do a a Small Steps Giant Leaps um, Positive Monday post. And so it's Positive Monday, guys. Go ahead and share something amazing that happened this past week. Small Steps Giant Leaps. And so what might happen is that somebody might be like, oh my God, my kid's seven and he finally decided to, um, to use the potty today. Now, this is massive and all the moms are like, yay for you, congratulations, like this is huge. All the people that didn't get to post, they get this massive FOMO. They're like, oh, I wanted to have something positive to share. And I, you know, or I wanted to, to complete the trainings. If you're, if you're in a workout group, it might be like, hey guys, it's Weight Loss Wednesday. Drop how many pounds you lost this week. The person sitting there watching that eating a cheesecake is going to be like, okay, uh, I'm going to push the cheesecake away. Like I got to get to the gym because everybody else lost five pounds and I gained two. I need to get my ass in gear. And so that post drives massive engagement, drives FOMO. It gets people more engaged with your content and absorbing your content because they want to be able to participate. Um, And it just sparks this like happiness inside the group. So really like at a bare minimum, that is all you need to have a highly active and engaged group. And are you scheduling any of these through a scheduler or do you go in and post them all? Great question. So I don't schedule the lives. They're actually live. Like I go, like it's me. I'm really live. I call, I recognize the people hopping on the feed. I acknowledge that they're there. I do Q and A's. And if you're wondering, oh, but I don't know what to go live about. It doesn't have to be the same thing every week. You just have to go live. So sometimes I do Q and A. Sometimes I bring in a group X, uh, you know, another expert. Um, sometimes I, I just talk about something that's on my heart or that's related, or I teach on something that was a question that I felt like could have been better answered on the live. So you can kind of mix it up. For the weekly win post, I totally schedule that. Um, just directly in Facebook. I don't use any fancy software again, guys. I'm lazy and like minimalistic. So <laughs> Facebook posts you schedule posts inside your group. I simply like, I literally, I, it says the same thing every week. Hey guys, it's positive Monday. Uh, share something great that happened this past week. Hashtag small steps, giant leaps. And I copy and paste that. And I paste, and I do it for a month. So I schedule everything a month out. Just makes it simple and easy. Awesome. Well, I also want to say that because it's me, there are no excuses for Facebook Live. I have a $7 class on everything you need to know about Facebook Live, including getting out those topics and all that stuff. So figure out Facebook um, Live. I'll put that link in the show notes too. But I agree with you with that live. We got to get more people going live. I'm one of those people that has to go live more. Do what I teach. Um, (laughs) It's always the hardest part to do what you tell others. Right? Uh, so thank you. Gosh, thank you so much. I'm one of those people, right? I'm one of those people with a group. Um, I've got about 200 people in there. Many of them are probably listening and I'm working on getting more engaged, but there's definitely some things that you mentioned that I'm not doing. Um, some things, you know, like posting maybe too often, or I need to listen to this episode myself and take some of your advice, which is one of the reasons I needed to get you on. Um, cause I know, you know, your stuff and I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to share it with with my listeners now where can we learn more about you and get more information yes so it was an absolute pleasure to be on and to to get to talk to you and all of your listeners and um i think the 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 main thing is just make it simple like i think we all try to make it way more complicated than it has to be so keep it simple um connecting with me i'm chantelle page turner on facebook like yeah that book's a real page turner i know it's funny i have written four chapters in four books that have all come out um recently so yes it's true it's it's a page turner um now you'll remember who i am and you can find me on facebook um, if you go to chantelturner.com is a great way to find some different resources with me. Um, there's a, it's kind of like 
a giant homepage of all sorts of different things. Um, and then ultimately, Not Yet Notable is really where I help people grow their group, build their group, whether you're looking just for some resources on how to launch your own group, or you're like, I don't want to have to do it all. And you're looking for a done for you launch. We do that as well. Um, and and I am Not Yet Notable. The group is a free group, just like it's a, like literally I, I do everything that I just talked about on this podcast and I teach it day in and day out inside that group. Actually, once a week, I, I don't teach day in and day out. That's why I teach it once a week. So that's only when I'm live. Um, but inside that group is a great place for just some free resources. Awesome. Thank you again so much. Thank you. That's it for today's episode of the Familypreneur Podcast. You will find all of the links mentioned in this week's episode and the show notes at megbrunson.com slash podcast. Until next week, I'll see you over in the Familypreneur community. Bye for now. Don't miss my mom's next episode. Bye.